Thank you. Ah, oh, that sweet, sweet sound. Uh, that wee small voice. You know, you have to listen for a, a whisper, don't you? Amen. And a lot of times we get wanting the Lord to uh, ring it real loud, and especially if you're hard of hearing. And my wife says I'm really hard of hearing, so I, I, the Lord has to speak loud to me. He's uh, kind of like when uh, he's talking to Samuel, you know, three times. Uh, that's me. Amen. Praise God, though. I'm glad the Lord's uh, patient with us. I'm glad he's uh, graceful with us. I'm glad that uh, he just uh, knows me better than I know myself. And for that, I'll give him the glory tonight. Amen. Let's stand. We want to welcome everybody. Glad you're here tonight. Let's stand. We're going to have a word of prayer and ask God's blessing on the service tonight. Brother Tony, if you'll come lead us in prayer, then you can lead us in song. Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, for a good day. Father, I thank you for a day of opportunity, Lord, yes. just to be in your house, Father, to open up your precious word, Lord, and to meet you on the pages of the word of God. And Father, tonight, Lord, I pray that you'll just be with the service. Father, I pray that you'll take full control, Lord, bind Satan. Father, may everything done lift the Lord Jesus Christ high. Father, may everything we do just point folks to him. Father, I pray that you'll Help each of us to open up our heart, Father, to be sincere, Lord, to be honest, Father, before you, that you can work, Lord, in our heart. That's what we need, Father, that's what I need, and Lord, I pray that you'll just have your way, your will tonight. Bless every aspect of the service, and Father, we'll give you the praise for it all, in Jesus' precious name, amen. Take your hymnal, go to page 329, 329. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4. 1, 2, and 4. A ruler once came to Jesus by night To ask him the way of salvation and light The master made answer in words true and plain He must be born again He must be Seated. Amen. 
Well, gentlemen, I have an offering here tonight from our Light Bearers class, Ms. Penny uh, Grow, $127 for missions. Amen. Isn't that great? That's a blessing, I tell you what. And you know what? It's not that heavy. That means it's bills, bills, dollar bills. Amen. Praise God. Thank you, Miss Penny, and thank you, young people, for uh, giving tonight. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Dale, lead us in prayer, please, sir. Amen. You'll take your hymnal again and go to page 51. 51. Just remain seated. We're going to sing verses 1, 2, and 4. 1, 2, and 4. Forgive you, take it then. 
say that tonight. I'm trusting in the Lord. Uh, faith is uh, the only way you're going to please the Lord. And we have to walk by faith. We have to be saved by faith. And so tonight, hey, let's just simply rejoice in the fact that God knows our needs. Amen. Let's stand, if you will. We're going to uh, let Brother Tony lead us in the chorus, and then we're going to shake hands. We're going to sing the chorus, I love you, Lord. It's page 277, if you need the words, or on the back of your bulletin. We'll sing it through and then shake hands. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship Him. Oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King. While you're finding your seats, let's sing it through once more. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice to worship you. Oh, my soul, rejoice, take joy, my King, and watch you hear.
Well, certainly, uh, if you want to take your bulletins, I'll just I'll go over a few things tonight. Of course, uh, uh, Brother Byron will be with us for the rally on the 23rd, and, and then we'll have the choir refresher on the 24th. And then, of course, Brother Byron Fox will be with us for both services on Sunday, and we're looking forward to that. And, of course, the uh, Easter egg fundraiser begins on the 25th. So, uh, young people, uh, remember that, if you will. And then, of course, we get into March. We've got the Scripture Assembly on the 2nd, and uh, Brother Dan Hummel will be with us on the, uh, the 3rd, and we're looking forward to that. Uh, the 10th through the 13th of March is Missions Conference. And you know what happens during Missions Conference, don't you? You usually have a good snow. So the uh, <laughs> biggest snow I've ever seen was on Missions Conference week. And uh, so we're going to just, we're going to trust the Lord to work it out, all right? We're, we won't have to. Well, uh, I want to wish Miss Melissa Joyner a, a happy birthday tomorrow. Uh, I know about three people that had a birthday on the 24th. Uh, and Melissa and my birthday, and then I think Lisa Bixler has a birthday. One of Ricky Ramsey's boys has a birthday on the 24th, I think. And uh, somebody else, and I can't think of who it is right now, due to old age, and uh, so remember that. If you want to wish these folks have, then Ron and Mary, I uh, want to wish them a, a happy anniversary this uh, this week, if you will. Amen. Well, now that's all the announcements I have. Now, of course, you understand Easter will be on the 31st uh, of March, and you say, well, Brother Ray, that's a long way off. No, it isn't either. It'll be here for you and I ready. All right, but uh, have the 8.30 service, and uh, then we'll have breakfast, and then we'll have the Easter cantata, and then we will not have an uh, uh, evening service on Easter Sunday. Amen? All right. Well, I'll tell you what, Brother Tony, you come and lead us in another song. Page 491. 491. Let's stand again as we sing. We'll sing all three verses. All three verses. Dreads 
Take your Bibles, if you will, tonight and go to Psalm 15, Psalm 15, and before the message, Ms. Daphne is going to sing for us tonight, amen? I don't know about any of y'all, but do you, y'all ever get like a song just stuck in your head? And I do that sometimes, and this week, Lord definitely put one in my head and in my heart. And I pray that you'll bear with me while I try to sing it tonight to do it justice. I'm only human, I'm just a woman, Lord help me believe in what I could be, and all that I am, show me the stairway, I have to climb, Lord for my sake. Please teach me to take one day at a time, one day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking from you, just give me the strength to do every day. What I have to do Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus And tomorrow may never be mine Lord, help me today Show me the way One day at a time do you remember when you walked among men? Well, Jesus, you know that it's not worse than it was then. There's cheating and stealing. There's violence and crime. So for my 
sake, Lord, teach me to take one day at a time. One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking from you. Just give me the strength to do every day what I have to do. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus, and tomorrow may never be mine. Lord, help me today and show me the way one day at a time. Well, that's what we need, isn't it? Just one day at a time. Of course, we're, uh, you know, we're refrigerator Christians, aren't we? We got the refrigerator we don't need to worry about today or tomorrow. Some don't have to worry about the next six months, amen? You know, uh, and uh, I can understand why a lot of people are like that. You know, they, they got their pantry full, they got the basement full, you know, they, uh, COVID taught us to have and you know, plenty of food, plenty of toilet paper, plenty of tissues, plenty of everything, right? Amen. So, uh, you know what that's a sign of? Lord, I don't really have to ask you every day to, to supply my needs. And uh, nothing wrong with preparing and all that good stuff, you know, but uh, uh, there, there does come a day that you just have to say, Lord, uh, you, you're going to have to help me today. And I want you to look in Psalm 15 tonight. Notice what the psalmist says here in verse 1. Lord, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Who shall dwell in thy holy hill? He that walketh uprightly and worketh righteousness and speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not with his tongue nor doeth evil to his neighbor nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor and whose eyes a vile person is contempted uh, but he honoreth them that feareth the Lord, he that sweareth to his own hurt, and changeth not. He that putteth not out his money to usury, nor taketh reward against the innocent, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. I want you to notice, if you will, verse 1, he says, Who shall abide? Who shall dwell? Then he says, If you'll do these things, You'll never be moved. The idea of that word move means to be shaken, to be shaken. Uh, I, I got to thinking about this, this psalm here, and uh, I've entitled the message, Being God's Guest. Because he said there in verse 1, who's going to abide in the house of the tabernacle? And we understand that David, uh, according to Dr. Strand, is about 39 years of age, and uh, he's at the point where they're in Second Chronicle, I mean, First Chronicles chapter 16 and Second Samuel chapter 6. He's bringing the ark to Jerusalem. And, and really, you know, it's an amazing thing. The whole, whole kingdom of Saul never really 
put a great emphasis upon the Ark of the Covenant. Never really, you know, never really worried about the tabernacle uh, where the Ark of the Covenant was. Never really, it wasn't an emphasis in, in King Saul's uh, uh, kingdom and, and reign upon spiritual matters. <clears throat> but yet David, that sweet psalmist of Israel, he realized the importance uh, of, of having God in his proper place. And I can imagine that as, as, as David is, uh, you know, maybe on this day as they're bringing the ark and, uh, to, to Jerusalem, and I can just imagine David beginning to think of all those years that, that he run from King Saul and he began to wonder, will I ever, ever be able to go back to the tabernacle? Will I be able to do what is in the desire of my heart? And that's to, to build a place where God can be honored and worshiped. This psalm explains who is the worthy guest. Uh, David spent time in King Saul's uh, court. He was the man that calmed King Saul down when, you know, the evil spirit come upon him. And so David was familiar with coming into the presence of the king. He understood what it meant to be the honored guest of the king. But he also understood the, the problems that came by getting close to the king. And we see here that the psalmist David tells us here, he said, who's going to abide? Now, the idea of, the, of this is, is, is pretty simple. We, we realize that David was a man that was saved. He knew he was saved. He knew the Lord Jesus personally. And so David's not really so much to, uh, talking about a prescription uh, to be saved, but he's talking about uh, a description of how people, how saved people ought to live in a way that they can please God and fellowship with Him in, in a proper way. You see, we're living in a day when people, I mean, they got all kind of crazy ideas about worship. Oh, you know, Brother Ray, I can worship God out, out under a tree, yeah? Uh, Israel did that, and look where it got them. You say, oh, Brother Ray, you're just being smart. No, I'm not. Uh, when you begin to turn away from God's prescribed way of worship, I want you to know something. You're heading for trouble. And, and Israel began to set up groves. And, but when David was king, my dear friends, he said, we're going to worship God according to the word of God, according to the dictates of scripture. And so he brought the, the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem for one purpose, and that was to, to help people realize my kingdom is not built upon my great leadership, but upon the great God that we serve. And he said, you know what I want to do? I want to be the guest in the worship place with God. Oh, I tell you tonight, I, I want you to notice a, a little, little bit here as we kind of work through this Psalms about being God's guest. First of all, I want you to notice the question concerning uh, those who seek God's presence. Look what it said in verse 1. He said, who shall abide in thy tabernacle? Now, the idea of abide means to sojourn there with him. Uh, kind of a temporary residence. 
You see, the, the, the tabernacle was, was a temporary place of worship and frequently uh, it was removed and it could be carried on. Uh, you know, uh, can you imagine the Levites and, and all of the, the, the priests and everybody getting the, the ark uh, ready and the, and the tabernacle ready to move? Uh, J. Vernon McGee says that the, the Levites were so efficient in the matter of, uh, of setting up and taking down the tabernacle that in 15 minutes they could be ready to move. They could have everything packed, everything ready. Boy, wouldn't you like to do that today? Don't you hate going somewhere? I do. I mean, it takes me a, it takes me a week to think about what I don't want, what I don't need, and what I don't care to take. And then, you know, you always never take the right thing. You always take the wrong thing and you put it in there. And then the first thing you do, you got to get it out. Well, these, these men were very efficient in, in, in setting up and taking down the tabernacle. But it was just a temporary place. It was a place that, that my dear friends, wherever the children of Israel moved, the tabernacle went with them. And it was just a, a temporary place of worship. As a matter of fact, look what he said there in verse 1. He said, but who shall dwell in the holy hill? Now, the idea of, of dwell suggests a, a permanent residential status, as somebody said. I like that phrase there. Uh, and, and, you know, what it really uh, has to do is here it talks about a, a place where you come to worship and it is, a, and we don't have time to go into the into the temple area and and talk about all the grandeur of the temple. I mean, you're talking about a, an amazing place. You're talking about a place that when you went to church to worship there, when you walked in, you said, "Wow, gold everywhere, gold here, gold there." I mean, you know, and you just kind of walked in, and it just took your breath when you walked into the temple. Because you knew one thing, that when you walked into the temple, you walked into the presence of God, you could feel the Shekinah glory of God in the place called the temple. Oh, it was a permanent place. And David said, well, who's going to dwell? Who's going to sojourn in the tabernacle? But who's going to dwell? Who's going to dwell? I'll tell you who's going to dwell uh, and answer this question. Uh, there's going to be people that, my dear friend, if you're going to dwell in the, in the tabernacle and just sojourn there, that's good. You can go in and out and get on about your business. But when you come to the temple, boy, there's going to be a place. Who's going to dwell in the temple? I'll tell you who it is. Those who bring the proper sacrifice. The proper sacrifice. What is the proper sacrifice? If you were go to back to Exodus chapter 12, you can see that God instituted on the night that he brought Israel out of Egypt, he brought and he said, you take a lamb and you slay the lamb and you sprinkle the blood on the doorpost and, you, and when I see the blood, I'll pass, I'll pass away from you and I won't, I won't slay the firstborn in that house. The blood had to be, there had to be a lamb that was, uh, that was sufficient to take care of the, uh, of the debt that was owed. But yet I see also, my dear friend, 
that John the Baptist declared this. He said, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the whole world. I want you to know something, my dear friend, that, that Jesus Christ didn't just cover up sin, but Jesus, my dear friends, paid for sin in full. It was just, he, he didn't have to do it every day. He didn't have to do it in the morning sacrifice. He didn't have to do it in the evening sacrifice. He offered himself once, Paul said in Hebrews, and by his death, my dear friends, he tasted death for every man. And the only way you and I are ever going to get to heaven is we're going to have to be, as Jesus said, born again. I don't care how good you are. I don't care how righteous you are. I don't care how, you, how much you think you are. But my dear friends, Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. You're never going to get to God's uh, throne. You're never going to be able to approach God until you come by the way of the cross. Oh, you see, those who bring the proper sacrifice. I don't have to bring the sacrifice. The sacrifice is over. All I must do is receive and accept that payment that Jesus did. Oh, I want you to know something tonight. What, what, what the psalmist is saying here, he's saying who is a man that is in right relationship with God and a man that's in right fellowship with God. They're going to be the people that my dear friend are going to dwell. You see, what he's really saying here is <clears throat> what kind of desire do you have? Do you have the desire to just kind of, you know, come in, do what you're supposed to do and leave and just continue like you are? Or are you like Simeon and Anna there when Jesus was brought to the temple? It says that they dwelt in the temple and they came into the temple and they, they just kind of stayed there. Why? Because they were looking for something that nobody else was looking for. They were looking for the Messiah. You see, when you come to the place of the tabernacle, you come to the place of, of, of the temple, I want you to know something. You're looking for something that you can't find in man's, in man's place. You can't find it down at the local bar. You can't find, and the sad part of it is you can't find it in a lot of churches today. Oh, I say to you tonight, Jesus said that whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the shame is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Really what you and I need to realize tonight is who's going to dwell? Who's going to tabernacle uh, and, and dwell and walk and fellowship in these places? <clears throat> I tell you, it's the man that knows he's saved. It's the person that knows they're in fellowship with God. How's your fellowship tonight? Where would you rather be tonight? Would you rather be here or somewhere else? Would you rather just really say, well, you know, Lord, you know, I got, I got, I got a lot I could do. But the, the idea here is there's a priority in order here. There's a priority given. I'm saying to God, God, I'm giving you first place in my life. I'm giving you the place that you rightfully belong. Why? Because you are worthy of my worship. You are worthy of, of all the praise that I can give you. You see, really, who's going to dwell in the tabernacle? Who's going to dwell in the temple? That holy hill of God. 
I'll tell you, it is those who are seeking the presence of God. What what did Jeremiah say uh, to, to the nation of Israel? In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, he said this, And ye shall seek me and find me when you search with me for all your heart. Really, uh, you know what? Worship and, 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 and coming to church, it's not a matter of ritual, it's a matter of the heart. Do I really want to meet God? Do I really want to be where God wants me? Well, I, I like what James says. And, and you know, and, and I know I've used this several times in the past several weeks, but James said, submit yourselves there to God. Resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Draw nigh to God and he'll draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy uh, to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Oh, I want you to know something tonight, my dear friend. You know what that is really needed tonight? is that person that's going to dwell and that person that's going to enjoy the presence of God. That person's going to have to do what? He's going to have to seek the Lord. Seek him why he may be found. A lot of people say, well, Brother Ritter, I'm going to get saved one day. Brother Ritter, I'm going to do what God wants one day. I'm going, I'm going to get serious about reading my Bible. I'm going to get serious about attending church. I'm going to get serious about living for God. One day I'm going to do that. Well, i got news for you. If you're going to do it, better do it today because you don't have any promises tomorrow. You see, you and I really need to realize that, that, that the fact of it is, is that, that talk is cheap. Action really, really costs you something. If I'm going to worship God, and I'm going to worship Him in spirit and truth, as, as John said, then you know what I need to do? I need to get very serious about this thing. Well, let, let me just share a verse of Scripture with you over in, over in the book of Ephesians chapter 1, if I can find it here. It's in my Bible, I promise you. I thought I had it marked, but I don't. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 7. He said... In verse 6, to the praise of, his, of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted in the beloved. There's the key of it all, in it being accepted into his beloved. The beloved, the church. Only way to get into the church is not by membership, it's by relationship. He said, in whom we have redemption through his blood the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of time he might gather together in one all things in Christ, which both are in heaven and which are on earth, and in him. I want you to know something tonight, my dear friends, as verse 11 says, in whom we have obtained an inheritance being predestinated according to the purpose of him that worketh all things after the counsel of his own will. I want you to know something. The only thing you and I can do tonight 
is just simply come and as a child of God, you know what we need to do? We need to be accepted into the beloved and when we're accepted into the beloved, then you know what becomes the priority of my life? His purpose. His purpose. Not what I want. Not what I think I, I, I should do. But what does God want me to do? You say, well, Brother Ritter, I don't believe God wants me to do anything with my life. I, he's not calling me to ministry. He's not calling me to service. He hadn't called me to be a missionary. Well, let me ask you a question. Are you willing to be one? I remember many years ago, Sam Arp and I went over to, um, Lord, your name just slipped my mind, the guy out in California. Used to be a BMI. Dr. Fr uh, Dr. Uh, Don Sisk. Yeah, okay. Thank you. See, I told you I'm getting old. Yeah, 70 years is going to catch up with him. But I never is old Arnold, so I ain't worried about it. All right? <laughs> Had to throw that in there, Arnold. Amen. But you know what? We went to, Brother Sam and I went to Don Sisk's house to, to do some work in the house. And, and, and of course, if you know anything about Don Sisk, when, when he enters the room, uh, no matter what's going on, there's going to be one conversation that's going to take place, and he's going to talk about the Lord Jesus. And I remember one day uh, when we were there, and uh, we were standing there after we'd finished, and, and uh, one of us, I don't know if it was me or Sam, asked him, Brother, where is the, where's revival taking place in the world? And he said, oh, he said, Philippines. He said, Philippines, man. He said, that place is just... It's on fire for God. And it was. I mean, you know, and it still is. I mean, but he said, man, he said, people will walk two or three hours just to hear you preach. And then when you get through preaching, he said, you preach an hour and they'll sit there and say, well, is that all you're going to preach on? He said, and, they, and if you let them start singing, he said, they'll sing half a night. He said, but revival's there. And I, I remember going, going back home that evening and thinking to myself, man, I'd love to be in a place like that. I'd just love to be there where you could just see God working. I didn't go. God didn't call me. But Sam Hart did go. Took a little church that was around about 40 people. And within just several months, several, several months, he said, you could walk down the street and set up a, 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 a chalkboard or a flannel graph board, and he said within just five minutes, you'd have 40, 50 young people just gather around and see what you're going to teach. This church, it grew. And I, I thought to myself, Lord, I'd like to go to a place like that. God said, no, I've got a place for you to go. I didn't go to the Philippines. I love the Philippines. So you're not trying to have all the Filipino missionaries I can. But you know what? God, I think, allowed that to take place in my life for me just to realize how serious are you about serving me? Would you go there or will you go where I tell you to go? And it wasn't long after that that God showed me what he wanted me to do with my life. 
And I'm so thankful tonight. But you know what that got? You know the reason that I, I, I come to that place in my life was I was willing to go wherever God wanted me to go. I was willing to do whatever God wanted me to do. And you know what I learned along the way? Along the way, if I'm going to do what God wants, I've got to have some direction. I've got to have some clarity. I've got to have some wisdom. And you know where you find all of that? You find it in the Word of God and you find it in your prayer clause. Listen, if you're not willing to read the Word and you're not willing to pray, you're not willing to be faithful to God's house, I can tell you what, God's will won't mean much for your life. You see, those who seek the Lord through a proper sacrifice, through proper fellowship, they're the ones that's going to do what? They're going to walk and dwell in the, in the tent of, of God and in the temple of God. They're going to have fellowship. Why? Because they realize that he's worthy of everything that I can offer. Now, wait a minute. If I'm going to really seek the Lord, I'm really going to worship the Lord properly. And then let's go back and look, if you will, at some of the evidences of walking with God. Look what he says there in verse uh, number two. He said, he that walketh uprightly, he that worketh righteousness speaketh the truth in his heart. He that backbiteth not, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh a reproach against his neighbor. Boy, look at, look at some of the evidence here. You know what he's really saying here? He's saying, listen, you know what? I've decided that I'm going to walk with God. I'm going to obey God. I'm going to obey the precepts of God. In other words, he talks here. Look what he said there in verse, uh, verse 2. He said, he that walketh uprightly. The idea of walking uprightly means to walk blamelessly. In other words, I'm going to be blameless in my character. I'm going to be blameless in, the, in my approach to God. I, I'm not talking about being sinless. I met a few people that were sinless. They thought they were sinless. And that's all that they could think of was how sinless they were. But the, I tell you what, they weren't sinless. They weren't even blameless. You see, that's the idea of walking uprightly. means to, uh, to be sound in character and integrity uh, and to be just completely loyal to God. So tonight, if I'm really going to dwell in the tabernacle, I'm going to dwell in the tent, I'm going to abide in the tent uh, of God, then I'm going to have to walk uprightly. I'm going to have to walk blamelessly. I'm going to have to be totally dedicated to God and I'm going to have to do one thing. I'm going to have to be as close to God as I possibly can. I'm going to be blameless. Noah was blameless, God said, Genesis 6 9. Genesis 17 1, God urged Abraham to be blameless. He said, Walk with me, follow me. Be blameless. Do, in other words, my dear friends, be devoted wholly and, and, and just simply to God and to God's cause tonight. That's the kind of person that's going to enjoy church. That's the kind of person that's going to enjoy reading the Bible every day. You take that old boy, that old girl, that my dear friend, uh, you know, half the time they, they get under conviction about, about not reading the Bible and then they, they, they watch something on TV or, or, or they, they begin to follow the flesh. And I can tell you what, 
It won't take you long if you follow the flesh, the world, or the devil. You really won't have a desire and a heart for God. And tabernacle, that abiding there won't mean much. That dwelling won't mean much. Why? Because you know what? You're really not wholly following the Lord. Now, notice something else he said here. He said, he that walketh uprightly and he that worketh righteousness. <laughs> right conduct. Living right. My land's a living. People who work righteousness are honest in their dealings and they're concerned about what the Lord thinks more than what men think. Walk and work righteousness. Then notice he said, speak the truth in his heart. Man, their, their conversation is worth living. You know, people cuss all the time. You know what? It's just an empty mind trying to express itself. That's all it is. And most people that, that use words that are offensive and take God's name in vain, they, they really don't realize they're doing it. They really don't. I mean, you have been around people. I remember when we first started Victory Baptist Church, you could go knock on doors and, and, and you could knock on, and, and an old drunk come to the door and you, if he thought you was a preacher, he wouldn't cuss. If he, he'd cut his tongue out for you. Now you knock on somebody's door and they think you're a preacher, they, the first thing they're going to do is cuss. You see, righteous conduct, living right. We're not sinlessly perfect, you know, but I'll tell you what, you say, well, Brother Renner, I'm not sinlessly perfect, and I realize I'm never going to be sinlessly perfect. Well, I want you to know something. That ought not keep you from trying. Right? Oh, well, Brother Renner, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just a sinner saved by grace. So am I. But wasn't that going to be a lousy way to live and to die after 40 or 50 years? Everybody said, well, he was just a sinner saved with grace, and I think he loved his sin as much as he loved the grace. You see, when I really get serious about serving God, it'll, it'll transform me. It'll turn, and, it'll, it, and people say, well, you know, Brother Ray, it don't matter what the outside's like. No, but it reveals what the inside's like. You know, you got people today, and, and you know, Hollywood's full of them. They can praise God with one thing, and one, one minute they can praise God and just say, oh, how I love Jesus. The next minute you see them drinking a bottle of wine or drinking a, a, a bottle of liquor. Something wrong with that picture, folks. I'm sorry. Something ain't right. It, you know what it is? It's a heart. Well, I'm saved, so I'm just going to live in sin. I, I can do whatever I want. That's a misconstruing of the grace of God. Why? Where sin abounds, grace abounds much more. So you and I need to realize that we need to be not only righteous in our conduct, and we need to be truthful in our conversation. Look what he said there. And speaketh the truth in his heart. And then he says, he backbiteth not with his tongue. Now, I can park here a whole lot, so you better say amen. Hmm? Backbiting. It's amazing in our world today the hatred of people. 
Oh, Brother Ray, words won't hurt you. No, they'll kill you. They'll kill you. But you know what? You know what that kind of talk reveals? Backbiting and, and, and trying to run people down and slander people? It just reveals the character of the heart. Truth is a cement that holds society together. And if people can get away with lies, then every promise, agreement, oath, pledge, and contract is immediately destroyed. Used to be that when a man gave you his word, you didn't have to sign a contract. Now, if you, if you do something in business or you di- you're going to do something uh, you know, out there, you have to get two or three contracts and they aren't worth the paper it's wrote on. Why? It's a matter of the heart. You see... And I can go on here. But look what he said there. He said, and I like what it says in verse 4, in whose eyes a vile person is contempt. In other words, uh, in this man that, that, that loves God, that, that, that puts God in his proper place in right fellowship with God, you know what he does? He despises evil doings. It bothers him. We don't got to the place not in society, but in the average independent fundamental Bible-believing Baptist church that we can't even blush over the sins that's in our nation anymore. Oh, I say to you, you know what, that being truthful in your conversation, but I, I like what he says here. He says that he that honoreth them that fear God. In other words, the man that loves God, the man that's in fellowship with God, he fears the Lord, he reverences God. And it says, he that sweareth to his own hurt and changeth it not. I believe it was John Phillips who told a little story about uh, an evangelist that was out and just really was in great demand six or 70 years ago. And he said he'd made uh, an agreement with the pastor of this little church out west somewhere to, to hold services there for just a day or so. And he said, but this pastor from on the East Coast called him and wanted him to come the same time. And, and, the, and the evangelist said, well, uh, I can't do that. Uh, he said, well, listen, there's going to be hundreds and thousands of people here and, and, and you know, they'll, they'll, they'll help you and, and you'll be able to help them. And, and, and he said, no, I can't do it. I've already made this commitment to this man. And so he went to this little church he went home after being at that little church and was there for a week or so and he said, all of a sudden, there came a knock at his door. And he said, went to the door and said, there's two men in suits. He said, uh, they introduced themselves as agents so-and-so from the FBI. And he said, sir, we understand that you were in this, in Philadelphia, in this big city at this church on, on this and we're here to arrest you for murder. He said, what are you talking about? He said, well, your schedule says, and the preacher said you were supposed to be there at that church. He said, well, yeah, he called me, but I turned him down because I, I was already had a meeting scheduled out west in another church. You see, that's a good example of he that sweareth to his own hurt 
and changes it not. That evangelist, my dear friends, could have been standing trial for murder. But because he was a man of his word, because he was a man that was committed to doing what he said he'd do, he stayed in that place, and it was the best thing. God was protecting him the whole time. What I want you to see tonight is this. If I'm never going to be shaken, then what... What must I do? I must be inwardly right. I must be outwardly right. And I must allow God to control my life. I want you to notice one last thing here. Notice the promise, if you will, to those who come to come God's way. Look what it says in verse 5. It says, He that doeth these things shall never be moved. Now, I, I, I'll go over to Second Peter, if you will, for just a moment. And I want to read just a verse here. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 10. He says, Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall. Now, what's he talking about? Well, if you go back to verses 4 and uh, verse 5 and 6, it talks about giving diligence uh, and add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge and to knowledge temperance and to temperance patience and to patience godliness, to godliness brotherly kindness, to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of Christ. I think that's what the psalmist is saying here. Listen, here's what you need to do. Just simply trust in the promises of God. God says, if you come, I'll save you. If you, if you repent and turn from your sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, I'll save you. You just simply need to accept that and, and, go, and, and trust God to keep you saved. And then as a child of God, have faith in the promises of God. Trust God. Don't, don't depend on your circumstances. Don't depend on... You see, when I really... Uh, take what this latter part, he that doeth these things shall never be moved. I, I'm a person that, my dear friends, will be secure and have stability in life. And there won't be a whole lot that will shake me, even an earthquake. Oh, I say to you tonight, have faith in God's promises. Who's going to abide? Who's going to dwell? The evidence and description of that kind of person is clear in this song. But the promise is that if you'll apply these things to your life, there won't be anything that'll shake the foundation of your faith. What did Jesus say in Matthew chapter 7? To close of that great sermon on the mount, what did he say? He said in Matthew chapter 7. My fingers aren't working. He said, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man, which buildeth his house upon a rock. The rain descend, the floods came, the winds blew and beat upon the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. 
And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not shall be like unto a foolish man, which built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and beat upon the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. How are you building your life tonight? Where are you dwelling? Where are you biding? What are, what, where's your desires at tonight? Are they in the things of God? Are you willing to say, Lord, you have your will in my life. Your purpose be accomplished in my life. I'm going to walk with you. I'm going to do what's right. I'm going to live righteously. And I'm going to give you all of my heart. The psalmist said that kind of person is the person that will be a honored guest in God's presence. Whose guests do I want to be tonight? Listen, if you're not saved tonight, don't put it off. Come. As a child of God, are you willing to allow God to have that place of honor. Father, bless our time together tonight. I pray that the Holy Spirit of God will speak to our hearts, will help us to realize that, Lord, we need you. We need to allow you to control our lives. And Lord, may you help us tonight to be willing to, Lord, surrender me to you. To be in that place where I can abide in thy presence. Where I can be in residence and in fellowship with you on a daily basis. That my walk and my talk will be in tune with you. Speak to hearts tonight. Help that one that's lost without Christ. Might this be the night that they come to the Lord Jesus and we'll love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand, if you will. We're going to sing number 489 as a stanza song of invitation. Listen tonight, if you're not saved, hey, be glad to meet you right down front. And as a child of God tonight, you do what the Holy Spirit of God tells you to do tonight. You obey Him on this first stanza, if you Think about it tonight. Am I at the place that not only do I want to abide, but I want to dwell where my Heavenly Father is? Why? Because I just want to be in the presence of my Father. I want to be where He's at. I want to learn from Him.
Think about it tonight. Are you God's chosen guest? Father, bless our time together. Pray that the Holy Spirit of God will help us. Help us to apply every lesson that we have in life. Lord, and use it for your glory. I pray tonight you'll give us safety. Your Lord, bring us back on Wednesday night. And Lord, we might, Lord, be able to, Lord, worship and fellowship with you and fellowship with the brethren. And we'll love you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.